And now, the cleanest hour in podcasting with your host, Ralph Peterson. This is the Housekeepers Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Housekeepers Podcast with my special guest, very special guest, John Disselkamp. Is that how you say it, Disselkamp? Close. Dissel Camp, yes. Dissel Camp. I was pretty close. I was pretty close. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you're here. You're the owner of First Class Commercial Cleaning in Louisville, Kentucky. So I'm very excited. But before we get to that, did you just say you have twin four-month-old babies at home? Yeah, four and a half month old uh, twin boys and a two and a half year old boy. So it's uh, wow. Yeah, life is interesting. Right? How do you have time to do this show? <laughs> I don't. Like I told you, they just left, so I had to. I was worried about babies crying in the background, so I didn't get a chance to get to the office in time. So yeah, no question. Well. I imagine for the next few years, running behind is probably going to be your mo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just constantly running behind. Just four it, already, it already is to an extent, but yeah, it'll make it worse. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. Well, let's get into it. I don't want to waste all your time here. I'm super excited to find out how you got into this business because number one, you have a pretty amazing business. It's expanding like crazy. I mean, right now you're even hiring for, what are you recruiting for right now? I know you're recruiting. Uh, for basically everything, we are taking on a uh, a new account in Lexington, Kentucky, about an hour down the road. We have to hire about about forty people ish over the next month. So that, and then we're we're always hiring. You know, we've we have about one hundred and forty team members now, and after this account, we'll have another you know forty or fifty. So it, you know, at the, once you get to a certain size, there's always somebody going out the door and somebody coming in. And as much as we try to you know limit that that turnover it, at a certain size, that's the reality. So we never really ever stop hiring. <laughs> yeah, no, no question. I thought yeah. I thought you were hiring for like a regional or an area. Well, so yeah, so for that Lexington job, it's a large enough job to where it requires a full-time project manager, area manager. So because of that, yeah, we're hiring a manager to run that account. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And I like I like that you got the business without having a staff to do it. A lot of people do the reverse. They're like, well, let me let me find somebody before I grow. And I'm, I'm on the same boat you are. No, no, no. I'm going to grow and then I'm going to buy people. <laughs> yeah, it's a catch-22. But, you know, at least on the commercial side, I can't really speak for residential because we don't do that. But, yeah, it, it without a doubt, because you, you at least have 30 to 45 days typically on a larger account. So you can do it. In my, my belief is you can do anything in 30 to 45 days, right? Yeah, meaning you have that much lag time before you start. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah correct. Because I got to give the old cleaning company notice. All mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and so this is not new construction. This is you are you've won the bid from someone else. Yes. Correct. Oh, good for yeah. you. Yeah. 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 So it's a yeah a high rise and then a kind of a mid rise and another another building, but Very all, nice. all managed by the same company. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's awesome. About half half million square feet, roughly. I think. Yeah. It's a nice piece of business. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's going to be a challenge, but uh, we're, we're, we're excited. We're, we're excited about it. We are. I like it. How long, how long have you been in business? How long has this been open? About five and a half years. So January, January, 2016. Not long. Not that long. No, not. And and you've grown kind of like shot out of a cannon. I mean, you guys are pretty great size right now. I mean, would you say 130 employees or, or thereabouts? Yeah, about 100, yeah, 140, 130, 140. 
W2. In five years? Yep, five and a half years. So we started, yeah, again, January 2016, which was just me at the time, uh, me and my dad. And my dad helped out here and there and helped out a lot. And my brother helped out here and there at first. But, but yeah, it was, it, was, it was just me five and a half years ago cleaning. So <laughs> that is just, let's get to, let's get to it because I'm, I'm really curious. So did you grow up in Louisville? I did. Mm-hmm. Born and raised. Born and raised in Louisville. So what did you do? I know kind of a little bit of your story. I know that you got a bachelor's degree in marketing, which is, I mean, talk about a helpful degree. Of all the degrees, marketing has got to be right up there with one of those very important ones, useful ones anyway. And then you were an account manager, a vice president of treasury management, director of development, a commercial loan officer. What? What? <laughs> Yeah. So what was your first job? Like, did you work in high school? Did you have like a summer job? Yeah. So, I mean, I've always been a, always been a worker. I started as a, as a paper boy, as a delivering newspapers for the Courier Journal, the local newspaper here. And when I was like 12, I think in seventh grade and had that. And my dad and I did the paper out every morning at four, four in the morning, three thirty four in the morning, uh, from seventh grade till I went to college. Wow. Yeah. And then got younger, had various jobs, you know, whatever, cutting grass and bagger at Winn-Dixie and, you know, a little bit of everything. And then in college, I waited tables at at UK, University of Kentucky down, down, down the road. And yeah. And then after I got out, I worked for a year for a healthcare consulting accounting firm. So they did accounting and tax work for physicians and dentists. And it basically was just a, it was a, a desk job. And I was on the calculator all day, mm-hmm. reconciling accounts, mean you know, a monthly accounting for dental offices and physician offices. So realized I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to sit in front of a computer calculator the rest of my life. I liked to interact with people and got into the banking business, which was kind of a mix of, you know, I like the numbers piece. I was fairly decent at that. And then, but I got to interact with people. So I was in the, in treasury management is a fancy term for basically we it all so my from that point on was basically other than a year as a director of development for a for a nonprofit here in town it was basically an 11 year 12 year career in commercial banking so not on the retail side not the branch side but working with businesses so b2b type stuff and had a customer base and then had a you know business development goals and the easiest way to say it is if a you know we we handled all the business banking needs for a small business or even a large business. We worked with the hospitals in town and all that stuff through our department in the University of Louisville. But, you know, if they needed a loan, if they needed uh, uh, anything, bank account, their cash management, you name it. So a line of credit, commercial real estate loans, all that stuff. And then, you know, I, I did okay in that, in that business, you know, and kind of moved up a little bit and, and worked my tail off and worked a lot of hours and all that stuff. But I never felt I don't know. There was something missing. You know, I kind of felt, I always say like, you know, I kind of felt tight in that suit every day, so to speak, you know, and I always knew I had more of an entrepreneurial personality. I wasn't very creative. Obviously I picked clean. It's not a new idea, (laughs) but what I liked about the business and I had a, had a client at the bank that was a janitorial company and that's what kind of got my mind moving about it. And then I met with a guy in St. Louis that owns one of the largest independently owned commercial cleaning companies, picked his brain, learned a lot from him, talked to a guy in New York, talked to a guy in Alaska, actually, that owns a company that I still stay in touch with today, read a lot online books and stuff, and then decided that I wanted to do it. I had a... uh, just part of my story. I had a kind of a quarter life crisis that dealt with some pretty a quarter life. That's good. <laughs> That's what I call it because I wasn't old enough for midlife. Right? I'm 41 now, but I was 30, 
five at the time. And yeah, I sure it's a quarter life. I guess. Yeah, we'll call it that. So <laughs> I, I moved down to uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Didn't know a soul. Lived down there for about five, six months. It was kind of a low point in my life and, and uh, didn't work a whole lot down there. I worked for a marketing company for a little bit, but, but ended up being the biggest blessing in my life because I met my wife down there the last ah. last month I was there. Now she lives back up here in Florida. We have three kids. I mean, up in Kentucky, we have three kids. She's from Clearwater area in Florida. And so when I came back, I had rented my house out while I was gone for a year lease. I had a family living in my house. But I came back after five, six months, right? So I had so I was 35, single, dating some random girl in Florida on FaceTime and, <laughs> and living with my mom you know, no money, you know, so it was either go work for another bank, had a couple of banks uh, give me some pretty lucrative offers recruiting. And I turned them down, decided to do that cleaning thing I was thinking about. And, and no joke, I turned it down that day. And then I went to Walmart that day and I bought like a bottle of Windex, a couple of rags, a shark vacuum, you know, and uh, I don't know if it's shark, but something like that. And, sure. uh, and then I called my buddy that was a CPA and went over to his house and got all the LLC all set up. And then I got a job for my buddy was a like minority owner or silent owner, if you will, in a commercial real estate, uh, an older commercial real estate building, office building. And he got me in with his partner that was the property manager. He gave me the, the job for two days a week at like 600 bucks a month. And so I just started cleaning there. And this is how much he trusted me. He stayed with the other guy that was... I don't even think I had a company and probably didn't what well, didn't have insurance. Stayed with them the other three days a week, and eventually just kept working hard and and trying to prove myself to them. And eventually got the five day week contract, and then uh, that was fourteen hundred bucks a month. And then it, it started knocking on doors around the corner, got another building, and then you know, were you able to? Were you able to? So first of all, I'm super curious. But talk about creative. I love that you were able to, was it his idea or your idea to say, well, just give me a couple of the days, you know, if you don't, you don't know me at all, if you're going to do me any kind of a, a favor, give me two days a week, you know, keep the other guy for three days. Cause I'm sure the other person had some sort of re relationship with the client already, which is obvious why they didn't want to get rid of them. Yeah. How did I, that even work out? If I recall correctly, I think it was, I think it was his idea. I said, Hey, I don't know anything about cleaning, but. I don't have any money. I live with my mom, so I'll work my butt off. <laughs> I'm 35. <laughs> I live with my mom. Yeah, yeah, because I have to because I don't have any money, right? So yeah, I literally need it. So nobody's gonna work harder than me. And then he said, "Okay, well." Then he knew I didn't know anything about cleaning. I was very upfront about that. And so he said, "What about just do Tuesdays and Thursdays for 600 bucks?" So I was like three-story building, just the common areas. So yeah. So how long? How, what, what are we talking about? An hour, two hours a night? Probably, probably. Two, yeah, probably two. I don't remember to be honest. Yeah, but I, I think around two. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's it's normal, just just common space. And well, the the other guy was doing the rest of the building. Uh, no, he was just doing the common space on the other days. The, oh, okay, the, the older building tenants. There's a bunch of tenants. They were on their own as far as cleaning. Got it. Yeah. Oh, they were on their own as far as cleaning goes. Yeah, and, and that's not as normal in what we do mostly Class A office space now, nice renewer building, corporate offices and stuff, mid to large, and most of those we clean 100% of the building. But yeah, that's what I but there's there's definitely some that still you know the owners don't include that in the rent. They they're on their own. It was pretty small little tenant offices. So what did your what did your girlfriend say? I mean, I know it's your wife now, so I guess she saw some good things in you taking a part time job cleaning. What but what was the? I mean, she meets this guy who owns a house in Kentucky. I'm putting it all together in my head here. He's a banker. You're doing what now? How, I mean, how did how did she take it? I'm curious. 
How did she take doing the? Yeah, how did she? Was she support? She must have been just supportive. She's been super supportive. Yeah, I mean, without her, I wouldn't have wouldn't be here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, she she was supportive. I think she was skeptical. She was definitely skeptical, but yeah, but supportive at the same time. You know, she's not skeptical anymore, but she was in the beginning. Yeah, of course, career. you had to prove it. But that's that's pretty great. I remember. So I I got my first just, just briefly. I just went through the same thing where I had my first job when I was sixteen was in housekeeping, and then I quit school, took a construction job. It took me a while to you know find my bearing. I went back to school, went did the night school thing for like ten years. I got two bachelor's degrees, and so I maybe maybe two weeks after no it, it, two weeks before two weeks before I actually go and get my second bachelor's degree, I accept a job as a housekeeping manager in a nursing home. And I remember my girlfriend at the time going, are you absolutely crazy? Like, no one could make sense of it. That makes sense, yeah, yeah. You're doing what now? (laughs) Yeah, most people think, uh, yeah, I mean, there there was a lot of people that that thought I was a little crazy, but probably was. You know what they don't know is they don't know how big this business is. It's the seventh largest industry in the world. And our competitors, honestly, for the most part, well, it depends on on what you know what focus you're you're in. But like my competitors are people who do it themselves. Meaning, you know, imagine if you clean houses. If you clean houses for a living, your competitor is not other people who clean houses for a living. Your competitor is fifteen year old kids whose parents are beating them over the head to try to pick up after themselves and they're getting nowhere, right? Like you go in with the 15 uh, year old kids and that's what you go and attack. You're like, how many kids do you have? I have a 15 year old. You know what? You can argue with your 15 year old all day, all week, or I can take care of that headache for 80 bucks, a hundred bucks. What do you want to do? Uh, now I'm going to get him to do it. Well, a couple months later, you're like, we, are you still available? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, so you got to got to keep that in mind that the uh, seventh largest industry in the world, and there's opportunity everywhere. Everywhere you look, there's opportunity. Yep. And there's you know it's it's low startup costs. You know, so the the good news is anybody can do it. Uh, the bad news is anybody can do it. But uh, <laughs> right, hundred percent. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, it, it, for somebody that's that's willing to work their tail off and have and has a great amount of grit i think i think those are the, the two biggest things if you don't have that i don't think you can do the, the rest of it then yeah i mean I, there, there's an opportunity there I, I think where where people get stuck or struggle is maybe they're not they don't have uh not lucky enough to have like a business background like i did or mm-hmm. whatever but you know knowing the numbers and the financial piece of it or or having a sales or business development background i think those i think those two things are the maybe the biggest barriers that I see for some of the smaller uh, ones that are getting started and want to grow, but you know, it's hard or they can't get out of the cleaning or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's tough. And, you know, and then pricing jobs in the beginning, you price them wrong. Then you're just, you're starting from you're starting to the, the starting point just went way back, you know, you're pushing yourself back, but so, yeah. How valuable was it for you to, did you utilize the, like, did you utilize the name and kind of the reputation of the people who gave you that first shot in order to get your second account and your third account? You know what I mean? Are you building on, Hey, we clean this area. We clean for those guys over there. We clean. How important is that to you? How important has it been? It's been, uh, it's definitely been important, but probably more important in the last, in the last couple of years, year or two, last couple of years since we've landed some large accounts, right? So in the beginning, like the second and third and fourth account, it wasn't as big of a deal because we're like, hey, we I clean two days a week over here at this job, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, 
So, but, but in general, yeah, I mean, we put our portfolio, so we basically print off, well, now it's like 18 pages, right, of, of the pictures of all the buildings that we clean and the name of it and how many square feet. And we stick that, make that real nice and stick that in, into our binder, to our proposal uh, mm-hmm. that we give, we give to potential customers. And, and yeah, at this point, it's become, you know, it, it definitely holds some weight and it's become fairly impressive. So, yeah, it, that, uh, especially if somebody's trying to, trying to grow on the commercial side, if you get some get some good accounts, you know, then that can absolutely help you, you know, go to the next level. It's getting those first few that is sometimes tough, but yeah, I I firmly believe that. Yeah. And then we also use, you know, ask them if if they mind being a reference as well. Right. Right. Sure. Mm -hmm. That's really great too. You know, you talked a little bit, you mentioned when you were growing up and you were doing the paper route and you're doing it with your dad and then I don't know if we were talking before or if it was actually on the show. We talked about when you first started, it was you, but then your dad was also helping you a lot and your brother was helping you. What did your dad do for a living when you were a kid? Like what, what was he doing? Yeah. So my dad worked for, well, worked for a couple of companies, but he worked for a company called Lear Seating Corporation. So they make the seats for the Ford Explorer. They had a big, they had a big plant here in Louisville. So he worked there for 20 something years, I think. What do they do? They make the seats for the Ford Explorer. No, no. What, yeah, but what did your dad do? I don't know exactly. He worked in the plant. Oh, he did. I don't know, I don't know the exact thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was just wondering. You know, it seems like you've gotten. I think it was some, 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 maybe some quality control stuff, but yeah. Seems like, you know, normally when I meet people like you who have decided to go out on their own and start their own thing, it's common to find that their mom and their dad also had some pretty good business sense, were big mentors, you know, maybe entrepreneurs themselves. You know, that's why I was asking. That's yeah, why. No, he was, yeah, he wasn't as much of a business guy. He was more blue collar worker. I learned, I've, I've learned a ton. It, it's, by the way, it's repeating me back to me when I say, when I'm talking, it's repeating back. Not oh, really? I can't hear it repeating back to you. Not anymore. It stopped. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, but I look up to my dad a lot and I've learned a lot from him, you know, probably more than anything. He's a, probably the nicest guy I've ever met in my entire life and never met a stranger and all that. And I think I learned a lot of that from him and, and empathy and, and that type of thing is something I've learned a lot from him. And then my mom did have a little, had an entrepreneurial background, uh, worked in healthcare for uh, was an x-ray tech by trade and worked for hospitals and uh, but she then branched off and started her own company for a little while doing mobile x-ray for nursing homes and then she when I was a kid she studied for the real estate exam and got that so she's always you know shown a lot of like hard work and and courage and I think I I get a good combination of, of those two. Yeah. yeah, that's really great. I, I'm sorry I didn't ask about your mother. Of course, it makes most sense too. A lot. Of, I just had somebody on the show whose mother, their whole life, owned a cleaning company, right? So it was kind of their destiny that they wanted to break out and do their own thing. What about what about when you first? So you first started the job. You're doing it all yourself, right? You're cleaning everything yourself. When? How? When did you stop cleaning? When did you start getting more accounts than you could clean to where you had to hire people? What was that like? Yeah, I'd say in the first six months, I'd say after about after about six months, I, I hired well, maybe maybe three or four months. I hired my first employee, and then probably after six months, I hired my second employee, second and third employee. You know, and, and it just because uh, I knew I wanted to grow it, and I felt like I had 
maybe the ability to do it. So I was thinking ahead and of course I was, you know, pricing the job, which some people make this mistake, but I priced it with me not cleaning, right? Me hiring two people. And then if we're paying starting at 12 bucks an hour, you know, I, I budget, I price it based on 13 an hour to give them raise. Right, taxes, insurance, all that. Well, and to give them the opportunity for raises and stuff. Oh, good. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, that would be in addition to that. But yeah. So yeah. And then I would, I would just basically, and what I would do at first after I got that, when I got that second building, then I, I put somebody in that first building and then I would still do it and check it and work on it. And my dad was helping here and there too. And my brother, and then I went to the second job and then I would ma- kind of try to master that job, know every square, every square inch of that building, learn how long it takes, all that stuff. And then, so I could then hire that person, know how to train them, know how to tell them how long it's going to take to do it. Pricing was a little bit of guessing in the beginning. Uh, I did I did rely on other cleaning company owners that I've reached out to. And I, I, that one of the most crucial things for me was people that have been in the business for a while that I could reach out and say, hey, you know, what's a what's a VCT for? Or what, like, <laughs> how, do you, how do you mop? Like, how do you vacuum? You know, like, you know and, and I, so I relied a lot on that. I, you know, I did, I signed up, I did do some coaching or, you know, signed up for somebody to coach, you know, coach me a little bit in the beginning, which helped out a lot too. But yeah, I would kind of master it. And then I knew how long it would take to do the job. And then I would hire them and then start going on to the next one. And then it just kind of our big break came when we were in like the East End suburbs of Louisville. There was a newer like development. And now there's seven, seven, three story uh, class A office buildings. And we cleaned six out of those seven today. Uh, six out of them were dirt. It wasn't anything when, when, you know, whatever it was for four years ago, but, and I had, it was a two-story building or three-story building on the first floor on the right side, just a small tenant was a, was a bank from out of town. They're trying to make a presence there. Hadn't, hadn't built a a full branch yet. So they had like this little one, two window teller window, makeshift teller window, and then three offices. And I had a buddy there because I was in the banking business. And so I cleaned that three days a week, took me 45 minutes to an hour and I would go upstairs to the company, the hospitality management company that was their corporate office and they owned that whole, all that land. I knew they were planning to develop it and I'd reach out to them. Well, they started building a construction, about a 70,000 square foot uh, facility for their new corporate office and they were going to start getting commercial real estate. And they said, no, we got so-and-so and so-and-so that the, the family members have been doing it for a while. And I said, okay, well, I'll just keep my card. And then I would go up and say hi to, to Eileen, to the lady there. And then when they started doing the construction cleanup, they, uh, I guess the general contractor they were using hired a, you know, a, a construction cleanup company and they weren't doing, <laughs> they weren't doing a, a very good job. And so they called us and said, it was like a Saturday morning, like, Hey, can you, can you come over here? The, the owners are, are mad because they're not doing a good job. And I said, so is the other cleaning company going to be there too? They said, yeah, just come over. We need more people. And so I got like, I pulled everybody I knew and like other, you know. Uh, God, get in the car. <laughs> yeah, employees and we got a crew of like six or seven and we worked like almost 48 straight hours. Like, and then uh, impressed them enough to when they finished the building, they gave us the contract on that. And now, like I said, there's now there's six other buildings there. We cleaned six out of seven. But that was probably my first first big break on, on a large uh, large building. And then my largest client, until this one we're about to take over, came from a cold call, even though I've been in Louisville my whole life and had a lot of relationships with the bank. And that was through a, a complete cold call. And, I, you know, it was, it worked out. So, and they, we clean a, 
a corporate campus. It's like an eight-story building. It's about 200,000 square feet. The whole campus is about 300,000 square feet. And then two 125,000 square feet facilities. One of them is like the Churchill Downs uh, corporate office. Nice. But yeah, so all in all, was, those three accounts are all managed by the same uh, commercial real estate company. And that was our big, big break. And then, and then from there, that was a great portfolio builder like you were talking about. So it's super, it's super interesting to me that, and it, it, there's such huge lessons here, right? If number one, establishing relationships, establishing rapport, rapport is probably the most valuable thing because, you know, we think, you know what, if I bring you donuts every time I see you, you're going to start liking me and we're going to start dating soon. And then before you know it, you're going to give me your business. And the truth is rapport is enough. Just as simple, how are you? This is what I do. As long as they know who you are and what you do and what services you provide, if they need you, they're going to call you. And that sounds like exactly what happened. Yep. Yep. And then, no, absolutely. I, I think I think being in the right place at the right time. And it seems like you be put yourself deck. in the right Yeah, it seems like you put yourself in the right place at the right time, which is very, very important because it, was, it doesn't seem like there's any luck here. It seems like a lot of intention. Yeah, I mean – yeah, there's, there's probably some luck, but but mostly, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to put, put yourself in a position. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't believe a whole lot in luck. I believe if you work really, really hard, luck finds you, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, you, but, let's, just, let's just map this out. Hold on, John. Let's map this out. You have a friend who is in the banking business, and there's a small branch opening up, and they're a nobody-nothing bank. They don't even have a very big space. And so you go and offer, hey, I'll go clean your bank a couple of days a week. Oh, by the way, the property manager's office is upstairs. Let me just run up and introduce myself. Say, hey, I'm John. I have this cleaning company. I'm cleaning downstairs. If you guys ever need anything. And they're like, no, we have our own. No problem. Peace and love. I just wanted to let you know who I am. You know, if you hear the vacuums going, it's just me. You know, that's all it is. That's building rapport. And then they have a problem. And this receptionist or whoever you've been talking to says, hey, you know what? There's a, what about the cleaning company downstairs? He's been up a couple of times. He's a good guy. Seems nice. Let's see if he can do it. And do they call you on a Friday or a Saturday? I think they called me on a Saturday morning. Perfect. And did you call them back or did you answer the phone? I think I answered the phone. All right. Thank you. Very. Thank you so much. Because you're leading right down to what one, one crucial thing that I think so many people do is they simply don't answer their phone. I meet people all the time that are just constantly saying, you know, I never answer my phone. I always let it go. If, if they want me, they'll leave me a message. <laughs> if you're in business, I answer my phone. I don't care what time of the day it rings. I always, I never, and by the way, I never know the number. I rarely know the number. It's not like I, you know, oh, somebody from some high rise is looking for a cleaner. It's, it never, it says, you know, unknown caller. I still answer. Do I care if it's a robocall? I don't. Right. I don't, you know, hey, we notice your Google listing. Ah, that's funny. Click. Well, most of the time, Apple, do you have an iPhone or an Android? Yeah, I have an Apple phone. Yeah, it'll tell me if it's spam. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But no, to your point, yeah, you, you got to be, you got to put yourself in a position and, and from a strictly from a business development sales standpoint and trying to get new opportunities, I think you have to, or time kills deals. I've always believed that, right? So if you don't answer that call and, you know, and then they're going to pick up the phone if they need somebody or they're going to call somebody else too late, you know? So I think you got to be ready. You got to be ready, even even if you don't feel like you're ready, right? The whole jump off a cliff, build a plane on the way down. I mean, that's kind of what you have to do in the beginning. 
you know, and the other, th- other thing that I forgot to mention, the two things that I think kind of hold some people back, you know, like we talked about the financial piece and maybe, maybe, maybe some sales experience, but, but also, you know, I always tell people, you know, if you really want to grow a company, whether it's, whether it's commercial or residential, you know, it quickly becomes, again, if you want to grow past two, three, four accounts, if you have two, three accounts and they're family members, cousins, friends, yeah, yeah, you, you you can you can do that, and if that's where you want to be, I don't, you know, I, I think that's that's great. If you don't want to grow, it's not for everybody. But if you want to grow, especially on the commercial side, that's going to require a lot of people. So all of a sudden, you're more your success is relying on how good of a leader of people you are, not how well you can clean. If you have two, three accounts, it's about how well you can clean, train your cousins and friends how to clean. If you want to grow, it becomes how good of a leader of people you you are and the culture that you try to build and all that stuff. If you don't, if you can't do that. And then that's where I think some people maybe overlook that part, you know? And so anyways, but I've, I've just found that to be, found that to be true. And, you know, in talking to a lot of, a lot of clean owners over the last five years. And so. Do you, do you find that you're having, I mean, I'm sure you're having trouble staffing. I mean, obviously we talked about that in the beginning where, you know, it's all, you're always losing people. And so you're always having to recruit. Hiring has got to be probably top of mind for all of us right now. But are you seeing, not knowing what's going on in Kentucky, I, I'm saying I don't know what's going on in Kentucky. I know what's going on in New York and it, it's not good. It's the opposite of good. But how is how is recruiting in Kentucky right now? Are, are you competing with the government as much as we are with unemployment and all that? Sure. So I probably have a little different take and glass half full on this than most. I'll say this first. I, I think whether it's Kentucky or New York or Ohio, maybe a little varying degrees, but I think we're all playing in somewhat of the same labor market right now. I know some states that have folded back the unemployment and all that, but it's still going here, right? So, and I talked to a lot of my peers across the country and they and got a lot of friends in the business, some bigger, some smaller than us. And they all say, some of them that are second, third generation, and they talk to their grandparents, parents, that's the worst they've ever seen. So, so without a doubt, it's, it's more challenging, even if you're, if you're, if you're good at it. Right. So I'm not trying to pretend that it's not, but I think there's things that you can control and things that you can't control. You can't control what the government's doing. And then if you really dig into it, you know, I was asking our managers, I said, are we really competing with the people that are sitting at home? Because the people, if they're, they're sitting at home, eating pizza, watching Netflix, collecting a check, I asked all my management team, all my supervisors, I said, why aren't you all sitting at home eating pizza? Because you could probably make a little more, Right. Like, why aren't you all doing it? Honest question. And the the common answer was, we're just not wired that way. Like, we just, it's just not who we are. It's not how we were raised, blah, blah, blah. Point being, are we, are you really wanting to, because I've always found it's hard to recruit and hire somebody from the couch to the, to the building to clean. It's just usually 90% of the time doesn't work. So uh, somebody told me early on, my guy in St. Louis said, don't ever hire anybody that doesn't already have a job. And so we've, we've kind of taken that approach that, you know, we'd rather try to hire somebody that's working somewhere else. And then, so our business, you know, a little different, right? It's, it's out of 140, 125 of them are part-time. They work anywhere from three on average right now, probably three to three and a half hours a night. Right. So there, this is a side gig for them. Correct. Supplementing their full-time job. I like where you're going with this. That's smart. Yep. Yep. So that, that model, I think has helped us a little bit through this because a full-time job, we look for job stability when we hire people. Uh, we look for energy, you know, uh, we look for people that smile, you know, but yeah, I think 
lost my train of thought there. Ralph. Well, no, you're just saying you're just saying that it's much better. That, that's the twins uh, not getting any sleep last night. <laughs> it's much better recruiting people who already have a job. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and finding people who are looking for supplemental income. You know, another 40, 50 bucks a night, five days a week. It's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. For a of hours. It's not right. terrible. Yeah, and it, it's somewhat unique, uh, like the three to three and a half, four hours at the most. Is okay. Well, what are the other part-time jobs? Well, I could go to like like here. UPS has is the largest. The world hub is here, and there's a lot of uh, people that work there. FedEx or McDonald's or stuff. But most of our people aren't people that would. I don't know. They just they're they're not interested in working at McDonald's or they're not whatever. And so. Are we really competing? And then, you know, waiting tables is another thing, right? But you're there later. You know, they have to get back up in the morning at 6 a.m. So we, we provide something where they go straight from their day job, 5.30 start time, they're off by 8.30 or 9. You know, and then so it allows them to do that. And then, you know, so I, but I, I think that has built a, I think the overall culture, that, that model helps a little bit. But I really think it's all the little things that we've done over the last five and a half years. It's not in anything sexy. It's all the of truly caring for your people and them knowing that you truly care and that you're not full of crap, you know? And I think we've built a decent culture. We can do a lot. We can do better, obviously, but I think we've done a decent job of building a, a culture where people feel like they're taken care of. And we hire managers that also share those values. And because of that, I think we've been able to weather this storm pretty good. And we're about 97% staffed right now at the moment. I think we got out of 140, I think we got three open positions in the company. Wow. So now, now, when all this kind of hit, like all it was like a, a perfect storm of what unemployment, uh, stimulus check, uh, tax refund coming later than usual, child tax credit all at once. You know, it, we we saw a dip, and we had we had. 18 open positions or something 12 or 18 i can't remember but and we had an all hands meeting that day and said we're gonna we're gonna fill all these by the end of the week and we filled them by the end of the week it required a lot of hustle required some creativity so if you're out there and you're like struggling with you know uh with staffing and all that you gotta you gotta think outside the box right now and get creative and you and, and you gotta double down on the people you already have it sounds like it sounds like a, another underlying lesson here that is you know you, when you when I hear of somebody I'm a I'm a cleaning business strategist so I, I'm always interested in how to get from where you are to where you want to go and so then in in reverse I'm listening to how you started to where you got to which is pretty impressive but another underlying thing underlying theme here is how much you've been able to surround yourself it seems like with a really good team of people mm. and you're able to call if i were to call an all hands meeting when i first started it would have been me and myself <laughs> you know you know what i mean like <laughs> it wouldn't have been a lot it would I'd, i wouldn't need extra mirrors to have more people in the room yeah me too yeah, <laughs> yeah. me too yeah but but you're, you're speaking to this group dynamic that is so powerful when you get everybody in the room. And then, of course, when you get everybody in the room and you're asking, honestly, hey, I need some help. We have some issues here. And you're open to their ideas. All of a sudden, it becomes a, it becomes a place to work that is no longer just about the money. Now, you're, 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 everybody's being heard and providing value and coming up with ideas and being creative and being allowed to be creative. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a, it's, it's something that I don't want to overlook. I think it's super important and I think it's relevant and, oh. and it shows why you got where you are. Oh, the most relevant. I mean, the reason I'm here is because of the team, because uh, of our team. I mean, it's, and the leaders that we've, 
that we've been able to fortunate enough to work with in our team is, is the reason it's not me. It, it's we have, well, right now we have, we have a pretty solid leadership team in place. Just to give you an idea, we have a director of operations, which is kind of my, my number two, Jeremy, awesome, awesome guy and 20 years experience in the business. Sometimes nice. 20 years experience in the business is not a good thing. In his case, it is. He started right out of college and worked for basically one company, changed names with acquisitions and stuff, but he worked for one company for 20 years. So, I mean, he's, he's about as loyal, salt of the earth, hardworking guys you'll meet, was a college football player and, and just a solid guy. And then under him, we have area managers. So we're just in the Louisville area, although we're starting that account in Lexington and five weeks, four or five weeks, but, and we have three area managers that report to him. Those are all full-time salary uh, benefits. They, and they have, you know, company laptop, cell phone. Yeah, this is a, it's a great company to work for. I like everything about this. This is sounding really great, really organized, really structured. And the managers take care of both. It's the hardest job in any cleaning business, in my opinion, at least the way we do it. But they, they take care of all the customers. So they so there's some day work. And then they also make sure all the trains run on time at night and all that stuff and staffing and approving hours and supply, everything you could possibly imagine from the operations standpoint. And then we have supervisors underneath them. They're more hourly just at night. We have some area supervisors, site supervisors, if a, if a site is large enough that, to require that, team leads. And then, of course, we what I call our, our most important people in the company are our frontline cleaners. And that's kind of the operations. And then we have my mom does payroll still for us, and which has become a bigger job. Uh, we switched to a larger payroll company last year and then to kind of do our help do our payroll and then and we have full-time administrative coordinator slash kind of recruiter right now katie as well so that's kind of our that's our team that's awesome i like how you, this is this is truly a, a family business those twins and that two-year and two-year-old is going to be uh, we're going to strap them with a broom soon i imagine no uh, i hope so yep. <laughs> i hope so yeah hey, how how did how did how did the pandemic affect you guys i mean i know for for me and for a lot of the people i work with i work in healthcare. So like I said, we were actually the opposite of what a lot of cleaning companies were going through where nobody was going to the offices. A lot of home cleaning companies were losing their, you know, their accounts because a lot of people were staying home and they're afraid of COVID. So you couldn't go in the home and clean and in healthcare, nursing homes, hospitals, boy, we, we were just struggled like crazy for staff. You know, we were busy 24 seven. So how, how was it for you? Yeah, so considering most of our clients were uh, are more Class A office buildings. For those who don't know, Class A is just fancy commercial real estate term for nicer, newer mm-hmm. uh, buildings, all glass on the outside, that type of thing. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was uh, ended up being not bad. Ended up being okay. You know, we uh, we were fortunate enough, and I think this goes back to doing all the little things right. The last several years is we've had it since the beginning of of. of and preaching to have an extreme focus on relationships, both with our customers and our and our team members, and an extreme focus on communication, constant communication, uh, upfront and honest communication, proactive communication between us and our team and us and our, and our clients. And so because of that, I think because of that relationship, some of this was luck, but we had one, we had two buildings like shut down altogether out of the 45 or so buildings, but one of them went into a new brand new building that's one of our largest customers. So really one is shut down. The other ones, you know, if they normally had 300 people in the building, they had 30, right? But they still had that 30. And if there's one thing that would be hard to justify cutting back when all this craziness was going on and nobody knew, you know, like disinfect everything, you know, like 
didn't know that it wasn't really as transmissible on surfaces and stuff. So because of that, and I think if they would have told all those companies then, if, if they could have seen into the future and said, hey, this is going to be around for over a year, it probably would have been a different story, right? But they yeah, probably, yeah. short-term decisions, hey, let's push this off to the next month. And on the news, it says maybe, you know, you know, we might turn the corner in two months or something. So they never really, they never really cut back the cleaning. So the, the cleaning we did, we were able to keep most of our team in place. And At we, least your core, right? At least your core team. Well, our whole, our, most of our whole team. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Now we've had we had some, some turnover and stuff a little bit, but but we were able to keep our core team, including our core part time people too. But we were able to keep most of our most of our team because we were able to to keep them going, and the customers were still paying us the same amount. So we had to figure out how to be more detailed in that area where you had thirty people right so it was more about disinfecting before they didn't care uh, nobody cared what yeah. chemical, what chemical you were using and, be, and to be honest it's already back to that nobody cares <laughs> i know i know <laughs> medical office building's a little different we're, we're looking at some right now to take over some some large yeah ones. i was gonna say we're still under the gun it's still you know we get regulated by the state and by the federal government they come in and they do surveys surprise visits and di- disinfecting, cleaning, infection control practices, right at the top of the list. First thing they look at, mm-hmm. still, which is good. I mean, no, it's- yeah, no it, 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 we're still disinfecting like crazy. I'm just yeah. saying the, the customers don't really ask, you know, what, yeah. what we, although we use the, you know, the, the, the correct chemicals and all that stuff. But, but yeah, no, I think, I think we, we got fortunate to where they, they continued to pay us. We were able to keep most of our team going during this as well. So, but I think a lot of that goes back to what I was saying, which is an extreme focus on relationships and building that relationship and that trust and honestly performing and doing a good job that they, they didn't want to cut back cleaning at that point. Right. I, but I think part of that's luck too, right? If I, if I happen to be cleaning schools and churches during all that, which I had a friend that was, that was doing that and it almost put them out of business. So, cause they shut down. Right. So there, there's some luck there and, you know, I'm fortunate. So. Yeah. A million percent. So, you know, the million dollar question we've, we've come this far in a very short amount of time. I know. What what is what does the next five years look like? I mean, are you? You said you got some maybe some medical office buildings or medical clinics that you might be going into. Is you don't you don't currently do any schools or are, is your focus mainly mainly like class A office buildings that kind of thing or? Yeah, mainly mid to large. When I say mid to large, like you know, three story office building and up, fifty thousand mm-hmm. square feet and up. Mid to large class A office buildings for sure. Ideally, owner occupied facilities. So like like we do the Papa John's corporate office here in Louisville. That's owned by Papa John's. It's occupied by Papa John's. Not not twenty tenants like a medical office building. You know, mm-hmm. and they have an in house facilities team, not a third party property manager. And so those are ideal because you can really build a strong relationship. And if you take care of them, could have for 20 years. You know, we do Texas Roadhouse Corporate, Galen College of Nursing. So that's kind of a college education, but it's, it's mm-hmm. an office building too. But uh, that, I would say that that's our, our bread and butter. Then we are moving into kind of the class A medical office buildings, MOB. So, mm-hmm. you know, medical office buildings that are, you know, three, four, five to 10 stories high that are connected to the hospitals, not the hospital itself, since they have their own, you know, better than me, have the environmental services that are direct employees, but Plaza East and West or whatever are, yeah. are owned by, uh, in this case, owned by a different, a lot of times REITs, real estate investment trusts and mm-hmm. managed by a local property manager. And so we're looking at some, at some large ones here to expand that area. It's, it's, it's similar cleaning. It's just the production rate and how many square feet you can clean in hours. Obviously, 
obviously less. So there's more detail involved. The price is higher, but but your labor costs are higher too. So, but we're excited about that. We feel like we we're pretty prepared to do that. We do we do a couple medical offices, but not we do like a two two or three story medical orthopedic practice, but haven't done big medical office buildings yet. But we're close. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're pretty similar to everything you're already doing. You know, MOBs do not uh, an MOB a medical office building really has the same level of cleanliness standards that your regular Class A office building does. You know, it's hot. It's when you get into the clinics, it's when you get into actual hospitals where patient areas and patient rooms, and you know, then then it's then the game is on. You know, game on. You know, it's a, it's a lot more regulated when you get inside those kind of areas. What do you think is the biggest? What's going to be the biggest challenge if you're going to stay in this? It sounds like you're you're pretty comfortable where you are, right? As far as what you know, what you you. you I'm assuming, I guess, that you know kind of what you want to continue to clean, right? You just yeah. you got your ideal client in mind. What's your what's your biggest fear? What's going to hold you back the most? You think is it staffing? Is it opportunity? I mean, you're moving out of Louisville now. You're getting into Lexington, so yeah. Maybe on the rest. What's up? I said maybe expanding. Is that? Yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, I think like we have a lot more growth here in Louisville. I think the biggest challenge. I think we'll always be staffing and recruiting and retaining good people and that are a good fit for, for our company. Um, I think we do better than most, but I still think it will always be the most challenging part of any cleaning business, in my opinion. But the ones that do it right and invest the time in and the money in and get it, get it right, those are the ones that, that really can succeed. You know, the sales and business development side, I think is... And granted, I have some experience, so I'm maybe a little bit uh, fortunate there, but I find that to be a little bit, a little bit easier than the, you know, the employee side. We, we've almost kind of kept, I haven't pushed the pedal down as far as uh, we potentially could because we want to make sure that we can give 100% to the ones we have and, and all that. So, but yeah, I, I, we have some, we have some big growth plans. You know, we want to, we pretend your plans to be about a $30 million company and have about, uh, serve about 1500 families. So 1500 team members roughly, um, and be in, you know, three to four markets is, you know, maybe Cincinnati, maybe Indianapolis, obviously, you know, obviously Louisville and Lexington. So I think that, and I think the biggest challenge too is at each plateau of growth and scaling a company, there's different challenges and, you know, me getting out of my own way as a, as a little <laughs> right. So, you know, and getting better at, you know, we, we've adopted, I don't know if you ever heard of the book Traction before. I have uh, heard of Traction, yeah. And there's also a supplement book to it, right? There's there's a few, yeah. But EOS is the Entrepreneurial Operating System is, is what the book is about. And basically, mm-hmm. it's a framework for how to run everything in your business. And we've ad- we have adopted that last been about two years now. And we kind of use that as like a system to stay organized as a company and have meetings and how we deal with issues. How do we use data? How do we, you know, how do we, uh, you know, create that vision and the, and the values and how do we get that out to the team and how do you create process and all, all that stuff. Uh, we're not perfect at it at all, but we've, I think I've learned a lot through that, through that process. And so that's, that's part of it. But I think as we grow and scale, like any company that they're fast growing is making sure that we keep the quality of our work and the quality of our culture at the same or better as we grow, as opposed to letting that subside, which can happen with fast growth companies. So that's something that's always on top of my mind thinking about. But and then I think the big steps will be hiring other leaders, hiring other leaders within the company to help us, you know, get to that next level. Yeah, a million percent. It's I was gonna say that 
you know, I, I wasn't even thinking about it when we first got on the call, but being in Louisville, I mean, you are, you know, geographically, you're, you've got some big cities around you. You've got a lot of opportunity around you, you know, with Cincinnati, with, with uh, Indianapolis isn't that far away. Yeah, Cincinnati's, yeah. Cincinnati's about an hour and a half. Indianapolis is two hours. Nashville's two and a half. St. Louis is uh, three and a half. So big cities. Columbus is not far. Well, we're not. I got a buddy that operates out of there, but. But yeah, yeah, some some decent sized cities, yeah, for sure. So we're you know we're we're not really actively looking there yet. But if we get a large account, you know, I've always said there's probably at least in our like look going after mid to large accounts and and potentially high rises and stuff. It it's better to get if you're going to go into a new market. There's basically uh, I've found two ways. The best two ways to do it would be either to acquire a company or to uh, get a large account to where it's large enough like the one we have in Lexington where you can, yeah. you have to budget in and in the budget and the price you're budgeting in a salary for a full-time project manager, area manager, whatever you want to call it, account manager to oversee the whole thing. Um, and then have supervisors and people and floor techs and stuff underneath that. So as opposed to getting a three-story building in Indianapolis two hours away, but you can't budget in a, a higher paid supervisor mm -hmm. manager. So nor it's really hard to grow from that. Yeah. Well, then it's hard to manage. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, it's, it's easier to manage a 40-story high rise from afar than it is to manage a single three-story, two-story building because <laughs> one, person, one person calls out, there's no man, like, what do you do? You got to drive two hours. So, you know, but it, the first part, the acquisition part, I, it's not as interesting to me. I've seen people do it, but I prefer organic growth if I can help it, so... Yeah, a million percent. I, I totally know that, especially in, in hospitals. I have a I have a friend who runs a hospital right now and they're twenty full time housekeepers down. Twenty. So just imagine a hospital being down twenty housekeepers, but they're able to manage it because they have eighty full time housekeepers. Whereas opposed to I have a friend who runs a nursing home and it's a fifty bed nursing home, they have two people. So if one calls out, half their staff is gone around. It's well, that, that's been, I think that's been a little bit of a key to our success too, is doing the part-time model. So if a building requires, let's say 24 man hours a night, which for those that don't know, man hours just means if one person did it, it would take that long, right? So I've always said, let's do, instead of hiring three, eight hour full-time employees, let's hire eight, three hour people. And then if one person calls out, we still have seven people to clean a big building. Nice. Or two people call out, we still got six. We have a contingency plan. If we have three full-time people and one calls out, or God forbid, two call out, you got one person clean the building, two people clean the building, it's not mm -hmm. going to be done. Or if it gets done, it's not going to they're going to pull the trash and leave. They're not going to be able to get it done with the quality. Or if they do do it, you're going to burn them out. So, yeah. you know, there's an argument for both the whole full-time and part-time, but the part-time thing has worked, you know, has been perfect, but it's worked decent for us up to this point. When when President Obama signed into law the whole idea of free health care and free once they, they decided they were gonna go with the free health care model, they put the expense of the free health care on organizations. So it wasn't free. It was now the organizations are gonna to have to pay for it, which simply means the customer is gonna to have to pay for it and the employee is going to suffer for it because now we're having to do more, a lot more with less and we're having to figure out models and full-time and part-time. And I remember spending weeks in meetings trying to, trying to figure out how to take a full-time model and go to all part-time. 
so that we wouldn't have to have that added expense of because housekeepers, you know, at the time in in the state I was working in, housekeepers were making eight dollars an hour, and to add the cost of the health insurance, it was going to put their cost the cost of them employed was going to put them at like the twelve dollar range, which then the customer was balking. The customer was like, "I'm not paying twelve dollars more," and I, you know, which would equal up to thousands of dollars more a week. The customer's like, no, no, you eat that. And when you're a cleaning company, how could could you eat thousands more of dollars more in expenses a week? I mean, the answer is it's absurd. No chance. And so you, the only thing you can do is try to get away from the, try to make it so that your employees were no longer eligible through the employee employer program so that they would be eligible for the state program, which again, just tries to break, take a full-time model and bring it to a part-time. And it was a nightmare. It was a big, big challenge. Yeah. Model. Well, the thing too is, you know, so we just signed up for health insurance a month ago for employer health insurance. And only one person signed up, me. But but that's <laughs> easy because my wife was a teacher for, with the Archdiocese of Louisville here in Louisville. And, but she's staying home with the kiddos because we got three under two and a half. And so we had, we, one, we had to, but we also, we wanted to. We want to offer that to our full-time people, right? And uh, our managers and all that. But we also had to because we were at the point of uh, over 50 full-time equivalent. Uh, employees, right? So even though we didn't have full fifty full time full time team members, we had we had over fifty full time equivalent team members. If that makes sense. it does. So yeah, we're offering it, and it's it's definitely not it's definitely not cheap because you don't have enough participation. But even if we did, you know, it's, yeah. it's still not it's not cheap. I guess to offer. Yeah, it. no, you're right. You're right. Well, it depends. You know, there's like the minimal essential plan, and then there's like a regular PPO plan that we're offering to our. To, and again, that's just for full time people. Like part time people aren't aren't eligible for. for mm-hmm. Well, they don't need it anyways because usually they have a full time job. Somewhere else. Yeah. Right. So they, they don't necessarily need it, but we'd be upside down on numbers if they work three hours a night and we're paying for their health insurance. So right, that, you know, that that's the downside, I guess, to, you know, but you could argue the downside to, to part-time workers too, is it's harder to build, harder to build culture with part-time workers. We're trying and we, we think we do a decent job, but is it easier with the full-time benefits person to build a culture? Cause they, yeah. Yeah. So the, I don't know. I, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. To yeah. It. I don't know. And it, it, I, This is just what's kind of worked for us. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like everything about it, and and I'm so excited that you decided to come on the show and tell your story because I think it's so important. You've given such great advice and lessons, and it's so great to have heard where you came from and how you just kind of came back and sat down and said, "Well, I got to do something." And it's either go help make other people money, or I can just go try something on my own. And then you you know already had some strong relationships, and you just kept building on them and providing value and not the idea that you made a cold call to get your biggest account. I know we glossed over it; we didn't talk about that at all. But I am I am the biggest fan of cold calls. It's how I got you on the show. It is how. I get all my clients. Everybody I work with is because not everybody at this point, because I've been doing it a while, but your, your reputation eventually precedes you, which is nice. It's a nice little bump. But if I wouldn't be anywhere without cold calling. And there's so many people in business who are struggling and they just, I'm, I'm not comfortable take, making a phone call. But listen, I'm not comfortable either. I still do it. Right? Like, yeah. 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 It's not, it's not, it's not easy, but I, I, I firmly believe the whole thing you th- we talked about earlier about what I call being on deck, you know, especially if you're doing commercial cleaning, you know, don't try to, don't, don't do the, like you're trying to sell a book right now at somebody's front door. If it's a no, it's, it's a not yet. It's not a no. Right. So, and, and, you know, 
and don't try to push it because people are ready to buy when they're ready to buy, not when you're ready to sell. So, you know, but you keep that relationship, you stay in touch with them, you're on deck. And that's what I asked to, to be. And then in this business, there's just right or wrong. There's a lot of, there's a lot of bad cleaning companies, a lot of good ones. There's a lot of bad ones too. And they usually will end up messing up at some point. And mm-hmm. if you're on deck and you're the one that's kind of built that relationship and stayed in touch, you're going to want, you're going to be the one that gets that call. If they're not, if they don't have any complaints or or issues or they're, it's okay. You can be the best salesman in the world. It's not going to, it's not going to happen. No need. Yeah. So it's more of a, more about a long-term relationship play than, than anything. Although I think right now, I think people are glossing over this because they're, they're so scared and they about, you know, staffing and not being able to staff stuff. So they're, they're taking the pedal, taking the pedal off a little bit for sales. Whereas we're kind of taking the approach of uh, puts, push the pedal down a little bit because we feel like this is the biggest opportunity since I've been in business by far to grow and to hire great people. And the reason is the, cause we are fairly good at, at staffing right now and we've invested the time and the effort into it and, and we get referrals from employees and all that stuff but we are you know in, in a good position that i feel because a lot of companies are struggling right now and a lot of commercial cleaning companies can't staff a building and these facility managers property managers office managers if it's a small you know whatever they're I would I would venture to guess that 80% of businesses across America that have a, a cleaning company that they hire are not super pleased. And if you walked in the door today and said you could staff it and do a little better, probably get an opportunity. And then you could also get an opportunity to to hire some of the best people that fit your culture by because a lot of those cleaners are unhappy right now because. For example, the building we're about to take over, they it's 300 and something thousand square feet. We have five people clean the building. You know, we're budgeting to clean to have 18 people, right? So those five people, but they haven't quit yet. So they're hustling their ass off and they're, they're, and they haven't quit and they're still go, getting garbage and they're asked to do 18 people's jobs. Those people are good, good workers. I going to say, we're going to work our, work our tail off there to keep them. And, and they're not, right. And they're not, exactly. And they're not. They're probably not happy, right? Because their employer is pushing them to do all this and they're doing it because they're a hard worker, but they're burnt out. Mm-hmm. They're burnt out. So if a cleaning company came out, came and said, hey, we can staff it properly and give you the support and the love you need, they're going to jump ship right now and come to you, you know? So, I mean, you could look at this as an opportunity to get the best employees and the best customers in, in your city and, and maybe play a little more offense than, than defense. But you got to get creative with with uh, recruiting and hiring. We we ended up, I ended up doing an intern program where I said, college students, if you want to come in, I just put out a video on Facebook one day. My mom's like, when do you think of this? I was like, in the shower this morning. But, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, so I just, not that it's like a novel idea, but I just said, for any, this is the beginning of the summer, if there's any college students out there or any of you have a kid that's a college student and they want a little bit different of an internship i'm offering they got to work their their ass off this whole summer and clean 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 five six hours a night go wherever we need them and if, if you work and you can't miss any days and if you do that then i'll give you a crash course on business and you know entrepreneurship or and then i'm and then want i've agreed to once they graduate from college help them try to find a career or a job at that point and so i uh, we we this Friday is our last like uh, session that I'm having with with our with it ended up being three college students, but one of them couldn't commit to, to working every day this summer. So we got three of them that have worked their butt off this summer, and two of them are in the official like intern program and, and all that. So wow, that is super smart. 
So we, we got some people to hustle for the summer and then we had to, but again, you got to get creativity. You got to think of different benefits outside the box. We're looking at, so I had them present me with a plan to recruit college students because they've rejuvenated my belief in college and college students because they, they are two of the hardest workers we have in the whole company. Nice. Um, and in this business, as you know, across the country, the vast majority of cleaners are baby boomers and they're starting to retire or whatever. And, and there's going to be a shortage. And, and so it could be a, a way to make some extra money for if you're, if you're in college, if you provide the right culture and you provide things that truly bring value to them. And we haven't figured that out yet, but like looking at, <laughs> looking at TikTok for business and how we can use that. And that was one of the recommendations. So I think you got to you got to think you got to think outside the box and think differently. And, and uh, social media has to be a part of what what you're doing because everybody in the world is doing this all day. They're not watching TV. They're not whatever. Of course, you got to be like on Indeed, the career website, and that's somebody that's look actively looking. But you also got to start putting yourself in front of front of this in front of people. You know, maybe maybe it's a culture video. Maybe you know, but you gotta you gotta you gotta do some of that stuff to attract the right people. And then, yeah. then the hard part is once you have them, you got to be that company that you're portraying yourself to be on here. You know, that's a lot. That, that's that's one of the that's one of the I think one of the greatest. It's overlooked by everybody. Everybody thinks social media is like this terrible. You know, all these posers. Everybody. I used to think that too. Yeah. Here, here's the here's the thing though. Here's the thing. <laughs> Consider this. In order for 18, 19, 21, whatever, these kids to be able to flex, if that's the right terminology, <laughs> I'm a 50 year old man. What am I talking about? Uh, flex, you know, like a uh, show that they're cool. They're cool jet skiing. They're cool frisbee golfing. They're cool on the beach, suntanning, whatever. They actually have to go and play frisbee golf. They actually have to go on the, you know what I mean? Like it's creating an awful lot of activity behind the scenes just so these kids can post about these amazing experiences in the aggregate. They're actually having amazing experiences. So I think it's, you know, there's there's actually some good things behind it. And I like what you're saying. Like, I'm going to have to start getting on social media and start telling the story of my business. And by the way, I'm going to have to become the same business that I'm telling the story about. And that's fun. Yeah. Because if, yeah, if you don't, then you're like, oh, this sounds like the greatest place ever. And then you show up the first day, nobody trained you. You know, <laughs> you know exactly. like, if you put yourself out there, you got you to gotta back it up. No different than if you put out like core values in your company and like you tell people about it. And then you're on the chopping block. You got to you gotta make sure you live and breathe it, you know. And, and it's that's why I think so few companies really, truly succeed in, in this business or any other business is because it's hard. It's hard. It's really hard. It's a lot of... There's a lot of private equity money out there now. There's a lot of, uh, you know, companies that are gobbling up other other companies more just to, to, to build top line revenue. And they're not they're not in it to to serve the the people that they employ and the, and the customers, um, which, you know, is a, a ends up being it's not good for the totality of the industry, but it's good for companies like like a homegrown company like us and many mm-hmm. other companies out there that, that are trying to that see it not just for the profit, but uh, how can we impact lives and how can we, how can we truly serve our customers and all that stuff. And so I think more of that money putting in can, can be a bad for the industry and get a bad name, but it can also, cause it's, you can't really be a passive. It's hard to be a passive investor and, and really build a strong foundation of a company. Who would want to, 
you didn't do all this work to sit in the sidelines and not be involved, did you? You know, I mean, right. quite honestly, I, you know, there's there's a guy named Casey Everett. He owns a company called Bin Blasters, and he cleans garbage cans. And I would recommend that you look him up on TikTok because he he's a great example of he tells a great story about his company and himself, and you can totally tell he lives it. You know what I mean? Like he's cleaning garbage cans for a living. And so you've either got to be the grumpiest person in the world <laughs> or the happiest. You know yeah. what I mean? And he's the happiest. And you could just, just by watching, just by engaging and, you know, just watching his videos, you can tell if you go to work for him, you're going to have a great day. Mm -hmm. Even though, by the way, you're cleaning garbage can, right? Like <laughs> it's not like a glorious, <laughs> but that's just, I think he's just a great example of how you can take social media and really not only not really just build a culture, but showcase your culture. You yeah. Know? yeah. 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 I mean, absolutely. I mean, if, if you want to grab somebody's attention, their attention's on their phone, you know, yeah, 100%. and absolutely. if you're, if you're serious about going after college kids or whoever, the, the first question that we need to be asking ourselves. And again, I apologize for this because I'm putting on my strategy hat and I shouldn't be, uh, but <laughs> briefly, the first thing we should be asking ourselves is what do they want? And don't say money. That's a, it, that's not even close to being inaccurate. They might need money, right? But they don't want money. It's the whole adage. Nobody goes to the store to buy a drill. They go to the store because they need a help. They, they buy a drill because they need a hole, right? That's that's the whole yeah. point, right? Oh, I mean, it, it, you bring up a good point that I'm sure a lot of people that are listening may have been told or believe that people stay at jobs or work at jobs for the for the money. It's just the the evidence is overwhelming that they don't. Now, do you have to make a fair wage and everything? Yeah, right. Sure. I mean, like, sure. like I don't, I don't suggest that cleaning companies try to take advantage of that and pay eight bucks an hour. And you know that that's that's stupid. I think you have to be fair and uh, try to provide a, a competitive fair wage. I wasn't uh, saying money isn't important. I'm just saying it's it's certainly not a culture thing. It's not, no, it's not where you're going to be recruiting. Yeah, the people like if, if people that are struggling with employees right now, if they think that paying a dollar more an hour is going to going to have people dunking on their door, that they're, they're just not. You know, it's about people workplaces. You know that they feel safe at that they have a relationship with their with their boss. Uh, you know, a, a culture that is uh, welcoming and they get trained and they they're clear on their job roles and all that. You know, yeah, you got to like if everybody else in town's paying twelve and you're paying nine, you know that's not good. We have to be competitive. But I mean, look at you know, look at uh, Chick Fil A or Starbucks or whatever. Like, I think Chick Fil A's paying like ten bucks an hour or something. You know, like they, it just it just proves that that money is not the most important thing. And, and then the, the issue is if if you do raise your wages, which we 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 have, we've raised our wages during this, and we, and we should. But if you think that I now told our team, I said, it's not going to bring one more person in the door. Uh, will it maybe help retain some of our people? Because it's, it shows that we're thinking about them and proactive about raising their, their pay before they ask. Yeah. But, you know, if, if money was everything, we wouldn't have any employees, right? We wouldn't have 140 of them right now because they could easily, they could go down the road and be a cashier at a, at a gas station right now mm -hmm. and make uh, 15, 16 an hour, go to FedEx or UPS or uh, even McDonald's, same day pay, you know, like it's just, it, that is proof right there that it's not about, it's not about the money. You got to be competitive, but it's not about the money.
Yesterday, I attended an in-person conference, if you can believe that. We're back in the full swing of in-person conferences, which is pretty nice. And I was a keynote speaker. And as the keynote speaker in the morning, they gave me like a table so I could be kind of like a vendor as well. So I could stay for the day and have lunch and whatever. And then right after lunch, as the next session began, all the vendors in the room were asked to come up and introduce themselves and, you know, kind of like give a 60 second, 90 second elevator pitch about what you do and every single vendor went up and said one thing i can save you money the full theme of every vendor there was all about lowering their costs lowering their costs lowering their costs and i just sat back and i was just thinking about that on the in the same time these same vendors when you talk to them about business and, and how it's going, they all talk about the same thing. All, all the only thing anybody is interested in lowering money. All they want to do is lower costs. Everybody says, you know, how much can you save me? How much can you save me? And I'm thinking to myself, that's all you're saving. You're all your your whole value proposition is how much I can save you money. It's not the service I can provide, the the products I can provide, the support I can provide. You kind of get what you're looking for. And so that's what I think is so dangerous about these companies who focus only on money. Because money will get you in the door. Money ain't going to keep you. Yeah, and I think, you know, I mean, can the low-cost the low cost provider model, can that work? Yeah. I mean, you know, look at Walmart, I guess, right? Like, but do I, do I, do I like that method that, that way? No. I, I, I think uh, being a, a value-driven provider and a, you know, premium service provider is a is uh is a lot better and especially in our business right if you if you start off with a low price you're it's it's stressful day one because you're either you either got to cut labor costs and then you're gonna maybe your people don't get enough hours or you cut it and then they don't clean as well and the customer's on you all the time and i always say you know a low a low price just permeates stress throughout the whole organization um and eventually it'll it, eventually it'll it'll crumble because something's got to give or or they they do staff it properly but then the owner makes zero money and then he's like well that doesn't work either and why do it yeah right why do it and, th- and then that's that's even more hmm. you know the only people who can tell whether or not a business is doing well, tell whether or not a management team is doing well, is the customer. The employees can't tell you. The employees are too close to it. Either they're over happy or they're over upset. They're neither one of those are always the absolute truth. The customer, the one who's getting the actual product or service you're providing, they always have the clear picture. And so what and the reason I even say that is because you can't hide from the customer if you're not making any money and not happy about the piece of business, because you will neglect the piece of business you're not making money at. So by undercutting it, you're undercutting you. Mm-hmm. Who wants to go into business to undercut themselves? Housekeepers podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think it I think it's a uh, a false notion that people think that you know if you're if you're a clean company and you're listening and you're going to do a proposal or present pricing to somebody, you know, giving the lowest price is not the only way. You know, and it's it's not you know you get what you pay for in this business. You know, it, it, I mean, and that's become more obvious right now with with everything going on. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, this is a we've been going for. Ninety minutes, yeah. So it's a good place to to stop. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. Like I said in the beginning, I think one of the greatest parts about my job right now is that I get to meet so many great people and hear the backstory. And it's exciting to hear where you're going and how how fast you've grown. And I can just imagine having you on in another five years and seeing you have you know 
tripled, quadrupled your business at this point, the speed you're going at. And I love that you're, I love the part-time model. I love that you're getting accounts and worried about staffing later. I love that you're keeping your foot on the gas. I love that you're a people first kind of company, family owned, family run. Very, very great. Very smart. Yeah. Make, you're making me sound better than, than, than we are, but <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I will say one other thing, if you don't mind. Uh, so have you ever heard of the, the janitorial store or myhousecleaningbiz.com? No. What is it? The myhousecleaningbiz.com. Yeah. And okay. the janitorialstore.com. So me and five other guys in the industry uh, teamed up and partnered up and we just acquired the janitorial store from Steve and Gene Hansen. They're a, a couple out of Minneapolis that had their own residential commercial cleaning company. And then they saw a need about 15 years ago to create a, to provide uh, training and manuals and documents and, and everything that a small cleaning company, whether it's residential or commercial, just doesn't have. And they can't afford to hire a full-time HR person or to hire a sales person, you know, so everything for every aspect of the business, whether it's sales and marketing, whether it's finance, whether it's operations, HR, uh, leadership, uh, how to clean, how to how to clean a restroom properly, how to do all that stuff. And over, that, over those 15 years, they They've uh, built up thousands of, of documents, you know, and I was a customer of them. It just happened to be a coincidence, you know, for uh, for like three years. And I used a lot of their things like I didn't have an employee manual. Well, they had an employee manual in there, you know, so and you pay, I think it's like 50 or 75 bucks a month, depending on the membership. And you get thousands, literally thousands of videos and documents that if you, it's if, if you everything has been thought of is basically in there from training to coaching to everything and we they decided they wanted to retire and, and a friend of mine ricky regalado that's out of chicago called me and, and uh got me involved and some other guys and we went in and acquired the company and steve and gina retiring and we, that we just closed on it about a month ago and it'll be for me personally be kind of a semi-passive investment not not completely passive so i'm going to help some and from a strategic standpoint and, and be, be involved, but with still 80, 90% of my time focused on my, on our cleaning company. But I say all that to say, if you're out there and you're not aware of it, janitorialstore.com and then on the residential side, my house cleaning biz, biz.com. Um, and you're a small guy and you're like, I don't have an employee manual or safety manual. I don't know how to train employee. I don't know how to clean the bathroom properly, whatever, you know, it, it has all that on there and it's very, very, very cheap. So just wanted to throw that out there that that's something I'm, I'm involved with now and just thought of, it's not the reason I'm on here. It's not the reason. No, I, I, <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Actually. Um, I think that's really smart and I will add the links to the show notes. <clears throat> Please. So anybody has wants to go check that out. The cleaning janitorial store.com, which by the uh, janitorial store.com. Yeah, that's and, a fantastic find. That's a great URL. The janitorial store.com. It's a great, yeah, it's a great it's URL. A, it's basically the main LMS learning management system in, in the business. So yeah, that's really great. We got, I don't know. I think we got like, I don't know, a few thousand uh, members currently. Awesome. But, but some good stuff in there. And you know, then my house clean biz, my house clean biz.com. Yeah, cleaning plural. My house cleaning biz. B-I-Z. Oh, my house cleaning. Yeah, got it. Maybe just look. Yeah, if you look it up, pull it up. Make sure I will. I will. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I got it. I got it. Be happy to share that along as well. And you know, once again, thank you for being on. This is the first class cleaning com- cl- commercial cleaning. I love your logo, by the way. It's a shield with a with a high rise in it. It's super super fun. 
Yeah. And, you know, right, right when I started, I called my cousin and said, do you know anybody that does like graphic design? And he's like, yeah, this girl, she does some stuff for this college here in town. And then I said, I don't, I, I don't want, I don't have one creative bone in my body when it comes to that stuff. And I said, well, can you put something together for me? Here's kind of what I'm thinking, like some kind of professional, whatever. She put something together close to that. And I said, well, here's what I like. Here's what I don't like. And then she came up with that. I like it a lot. It's really, really great. First class commercial cleaning. Look at them. You can find them on Facebook, on LinkedIn. All right, where else are you on social? Are you on YouTube? Do you have a, t- a, a no? Just, just at this point, Facebook and, and LinkedIn would be the best places. And then our website is We Clean Louisville. So WeCleanLouisville.com. WeCleanLouisville.com. That's a good. T- that's a good URL too. I'm a collector of URLs. That's a pretty good URL. Yeah. <laughs> That's really great. Thank you so much for being on the show, John. So uh, that's it for us here at the House Kids Podcast. We ran a little bit long, but it was super fun, super engaging, a lot of great information. If you enjoyed this show, please make sure that you subscribe, make sure that you write a review, make sure you share it with your friends. And if, of course, if you've got a great story to tell, if you own a cleaning company and you want to come on the House Kids Podcast and tell your story, I would love to hear from you. Just send me a message. Again, all the links will be in the show notes. And that's it. John, thank you for being on the show. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you, Thank you for having me. Thank you. You're welcome. That's it. The Housekeepers Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into today's show. Keep in mind, the best way to ensure that you never miss an episode of the Housekeepers Podcast is by subscribing to the show and following us on social media. For those of you who are more visually stimulated, you can always watch us record the show live each week on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. In fact, we post all of our videos on YouTube, so make sure you are subscribing to our YouTube channel. If you love the show and you want to help us out, please consider writing a review and sharing the show with all your friends and families and colleagues. And if you are looking for more information about today's guests, all of their contact information and the links to their websites are in the show's notes. That's it. Until next time, this has been the cleanest hour in podcasting. I am Ralph Peterson, and I'll see you later.